Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there, happy Monday, and welcome back to The Hash. We are here on Coindesk TV. We are here on the Coindesk Podcast Network. I am Zach Seward. I am joined by Wendy O and Jen Sanasi. Great squad that we have today. We're going to start it off with Wendy O on the latest from Voyager Digital. Yikes, this is actually a very, very interesting story. Voyager Digital issues three arrows capital with default notice. The crypto broker is reported to have lent 3AC approximately 350 million in stablecoin USDC and approximately 15,250 Bitcoin, which equals approximately 673 million as of today's prices. And the reason why I say approximately is because we got that volatility there. Also, too, it's looking like Three Arrows Capital is insolvent because they haven't responded to this request. And apparently Voyager can pursue legal action. However, I don't know if they can actually pursue legal action if there's nothing to take back from a company that is insolvent. Lastly, it is very, very important to note that on June 22nd, Voyager released a press release announcing a 200 million and 15,000 Bitcoin load from Alameda Ventures. And it is also important to note that Mr. Big Daddy Chad Sam (laughs) had a personally purchased a lot of shares in Voyager. But I need to get your guys' opinion on this because this is getting a little bit spicy. And I have a closing thought on this story also. I mean, the number $137 million of cash and crypto assets on hand at Voyager seems highly troubling. That does not seem like a lot of money given what's going on in terms of the loans that they made out to 3AC. So again, stepping back, this is that three arrows contagion that we're seeing slowly creep across every crypto lender and hurt them all badly, right? The idea here is that 3AC was down bad. They started borrowing assets, doing some risky bets that they were hoping would get them back in the black, just got them further in the red, and they're taking down these crypto lenders with them. So the fact that Voyager doesn't seem to have much in terms of cash and crypto on hand seems a bit scary given that they are pulling money out of the loan that was extended to them through Alameda Ventures, which is obviously Sam Bankman-Fried linked. 
The fact that they're doing that now suggests that they don't expect to get that money from three arrows back, and hopefully they'll have enough to continue their operations as normally planned. But yeah, that number seems like kind of, kind of close. So we'll see what happens there. We saw last week they reduced their withdrawal limits. So there's definitely some ramifications for Voyager users who may be caught holding the bag on this one. But I'll toss it back to Wendy for her thoughts. One of the last things I kind of want to say about this is I don't think the Bitcoin bottom is in. We're seeing a lot of people say Bitcoin bottoms in, start buying the dip, blah, 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 blah. And I think until this contagion is kind of settled, once everything is done with Three Arrows Capital with Celsius, then we can actually start to see a Bitcoin bottom. So that's why I'm contemplating for the actual bottom, for actual capitulation to be anywhere between 10,000 and 20,000. And back in the 2018 bear market, we saw that at approximately like 3000 to $9,000, we went sideways. So that's what I'm anticipating. I don't think the bottom is anywhere near yet until all of this contagion gets contained. I would like to say that we are not giving financial advice. I will always put that little asterisk on whatever we say on this show. So I think when Voyager said, I think last week that they were putting a deadline of June 27th on 3AC, I don't think any of us thought that 3AC was going to be able to pay back their debt. The article gives a nice background on 3AC being this darling of the crypto bull market. And I think it really is a lesson, you know, like in the bull market, everything is amazing. We're on yachts, we're spending money, everyone is rich, enjoying life taking risky bets. And then we hit the bear market and it's very, very obvious who hasn't been preparing, who hasn't been diversifying their risk. And to what Hester Peirce was saying in, I think, one of the articles we spoke about last week, maybe it's time to just let these companies who weren't able to prepare, who have shown that they actually haven't been able to diversify their risk and manage a company to live through these things that we know are going to happen in the financial industry and especially in the crypto industry and crypto markets. Maybe it's time to just let them pass away. But Zach, I'll hand it back off to you. Yeah, so Three Arrows is Suzu and Kyle Davies. And I think the point about Suzu specifically kind of counter trading his Twitter following needs to be taken into account here. But he was the loudest voice of this being the super cycle, right? This time being different because of the way institutions had embraced Bitcoin and digital assets in this latest run, right? So he was betting, at least at some point, on this super cycle thesis. And that thesis, he later admitted, was flawed. And that flawed thesis and these additional risky bets that they took on through these loans across the entire centralized finance lending apparatus, that is what we're seeing now play out in pretty stunning display. Now we have people trying to poach Celsius assets, people putting together offers for BlockFi bits and pieces. And all of a sudden, the crypto lending industry is extremely shaky. So it is interesting to see this all unfold. And it's a wild one. Wendy, last thoughts. Well, got to say one more thing. I do think we did have a super cycle. We literally had two pumps. We hit a swing wick high of 65,000 and then we dropped, corrected. And then we hit another swing wick high at approximately 69,000 and then we dropped. So this cycle was a lot different in my opinion than what we saw in 2017, 2018. Even though we didn't get those crazy numbers like the 100,000 Bitcoin, the $250,000 Bitcoin, we still had a lot of really great opportunities in the bull market to make money. However, there was quite a few more bad actors that we have seen. One thing I do have to add, create your own trading and investing plans and you'll do a lot better than following somebody on the interwebs. Don't follow me either, not financial. <laughs> you know, the old adage, only invest what you can afford to lose. I think that yes. plays here. And some people were investing far more than they could afford to lose. All right, Jen, let's change gears. What do you got? 
All right, so there's a new DAO in town. It's called FTT DAO. They raised $7 million to contribute to community-led projects across DeFi and crypto education. So the community is dedicated to FTT, which is the native token of FTX, and believes in effective altruism, just like Sam Bankman-Fried. The community calls themselves BFFs, so they are Bankman-Fried fans, friends, and followers. Now, I have to put a disclaimer in here. I work for a lab that's a core contributor to BitDAO, which holds FTT tokens in its treasury. Wendy, I'm going to kick this down to you. What do you think of this new DAO? $7 million. It seems like they have, honestly, I support their mission. But what do you think of these fans, friends, and followers of Sam? I think it's really cute that they use the term BFF because Sam is super wholesome. We see his tweets. <laughs> so I think that that's cool. But at the same time, they're calling it a DAO. But in fact, if you're in the United States, I don't necessarily think you'd be able to participate because I believe that FTT is not available to folks in the US. I may be 100% wrong. Please go ahead and fact check that. But I want to know more about the project. Like, is this team anonymous? What type of projects are they going to send money to? Because I want to say that we saw a DAO created from a decentralized exchange that the money was supposed to go to support different projects that the community voted on. And I guess this DAO actually did what they wanted to do and gave money to people they wanted to, despite what the community said. So I need to know more about it, really. A figurehead for every crypto tribe and SVF certainly has his fans and we're seeing this play out as a DAO. I think it's pretty funny. I mean, hey, more power to them. They can spin up this thing. Maybe they'll accomplish something. Kind of feels like those simp DAOs that we saw not long ago. Irene DAO <laughs> kind of call, comes to mind. If you're not familiar with the term simp, please look it up. So people out here simping SVF is pretty funny. But hey, you know what? Altruism is a good thing. Let's hope they live by yeah. those values and affect some positive change. But to me, this feels funny. And hey, at least FTX is acknowledging it and kind of playing along. Like, okay, we're aware of the BFFs. That's cool. Do your thing, guys. Thanks. Love you. I don't know. This one is just funny to me, but I'm curious to see what comes with it. Can we have a, the hash DAO and can it be to buy us all tacos on Friday? Honestly, I'm we down. Were just, we, were, we were talking yeah, about taco spots before money. the show. So yeah, you, this is this is facts. <laughs> but yeah, we could do yeah. we could do hash hash DAO for tacos. That'd be nice anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it is funny to see this. SBF obviously is becoming sort of a cult hero. He, uh, like he is God everywhere. Almost. He is everywhere these days, right? I mean, there's a lot of comparisons to JP Morgan, right? Is he the modern day robber baron swooping in, bailing out these firms, but also placing pretty favorable conditions on some of those offers of goodwill? It's going to be interesting to see how he weathers this market and whether or not he comes out an even bigger star or if the opposite is in his future. But we'll see. Jen. Yeah, I was just going to say Sam Bankman-Fried seems like the star of the crypto revolution. And to your point, Zach, I was thinking like, when have we seen this before and what may he turn into? I was trying to think of people from the past that were similar and, and I couldn't think of anyone really. But I do want to say when I was reading the story, despite all of the funniness and the BFFs, I thought it was really interesting. Like we're seeing DAOs. There's like all these questions around are DAOs really decentralized? Are they really autonomous? Are they even really organizations? But they are giving groups of people a way to put their money together, allocate those funds in a transparent manner, which maybe we didn't have before. And so I am excited to see what happens with DAOs and if the BFFs can maybe prove out one part of this use case and get some funds to crypto education, then I think it's great. All right, we'll leave it there. We'll change yeah, gears. Let's talk about some tether yeah. FUD. You know, enough of that good stuff. Let's go to some tether FUD. Good old classic tether FUD. You can never avoid tether FUD. And some hedge funds are betting that they could FUD 
tether into the ground. It's really interesting to see this play out. Obviously, there were some rumors that UST was sort of an orchestrated takedown, an attack on the mechanism that kept the algorithmic stablecoin UST, Terra USD, afloat. USDT, it should be noted, is an entirely different mechanism. It is asset-backed. Some of the questions around its asset backing have long plagued the industry. But to Tether's credit, they have improved some of their transparency efforts. Tether, we've talked about this recently, has been able to withstand a lot of the redemption requests that have been piling in. People saying, hey, take my USDT and give me that $1 that is promised to be behind it. They've been processing something like, I don't know, $16 billion of redemption requests and staying pretty resilient through it all. Yet there may be some short sellers who are ramping up pressure in a bid to try to take down the largest stablecoin in the crypto market. I got to toss this to Wendy. Interesting story from the Wall Street Journal and some interesting responses from Paolo of Tether on Twitter earlier this morning. Wendy, what are your thoughts? So lots of things going on. Anytime we have some sort of bearish activity in the market, Tether is always a target, always a target, just like Bitcoin keeps getting banned in China. It happens every quarter. So with that being said, we also need to take into consideration that NYAG went really, really hard at Tether and says, you know what, you're not doing things right. You need to step your game up. So Tether went ahead and did that. However, I do think there are forces that are working behind the scenes, especially in the United States, to try to get some sort of CBDC put out. And that's unconfirmed. That's just a personal opinion that I have. I will say that I did take majority of the Tether that I had and I did swap it for USDC. That is not financial advice. That's just what I felt comfortable doing. But I think that Tether will be okay. It's one of the largest stable coins. But at the same time, anytime you're using any stable coin, there is some sort of risk because we don't have as much regulation involved, but Tether is a lot more transparent than it was in the past. And I looked at the backing of Tether and USDC and they're kind of similar, but just looked like that USDC was a little bit better and safer than Tether. Go ahead, Zach. I think the question is whether they can keep up, whether they have enough liquid assets to keep up with whatever redemptions come flowing in, right? And that's still a bit of an open question. That is a lingering question. Can, at massive scale, Tether process enough redemptions because it has enough liquid assets on hand, right? They've shifted away from some of the commercial paper that's been backing this stuff that had long dogged them. Again, credit to them and probably induced by the NYAG action they have tried to make their backing a bit more transparent and a bit more resilient. So far, it's holding up. And whether or not they can keep liquid assets moving in and out of the redemption process will be the question. Some fear that a mass scale bank run could overwhelm that system and further exacerbate the crisis that we're seeing in the markets. But so far, so good. But it's still an open question to whether or not they can stave off these short sellers. Jen. Yes, I have a question for you both. So the article points to UST as to why these hedge funds might be betting against USDT, which was my first like kind of question. One's an algorithmic stablecoin, one's an asset-backed stablecoin. Why might they make this parallel? And the other part to that question is these are traditional hedge funds betting against Tether. But then we have crypto firms in Asia who are on the other side of this, who are, you know, backing up Tether. They're on the other side of the transaction. So is this kind of like a traditional hedge funds versus the crypto world story? I mean, I don't know. I don't have any visibility into that. It does seem to be, I guess, a little bit ideologically motivated. But then again, markets are sort of amoral beasts, right? If there's an opportunity to make money, a market will step in to exercise that opportunity. And I think that's what these people are betting in terms of their thesis. And if the market opportunity presents itself, a market will likely find a way to seize on that opportunity should it meet some actors' risk parameters. So I don't really have any visibility into what's what or what is actually motivating this, but I'd be curious for Wendy's thoughts. So I don't know a whole lot about these traditional hedge funds because 
Meh. But what I will say is that in the United States, <laughs> <Great day. laughs> don't, don't get me started. But what I, what I will say is that in the United States, like Tether was not really acceptable to use and it wasn't listed on a whole lot of exchanges for us to have access. In other countries, especially Asia, people use Tether all the time. It's kind of like the trading pair that we utilize. So I don't think Tether is going to go away. I still think that there's going to be a demand for it in other countries, maybe less so in the United States because of USDC. That's just my personal opinion. But it is kind of cool to see difference of opinions from people from different places and to see if this short <laughs> that the traditional hedge funds want to do will work out because I feel like crypto is a little bit more resilient and us crypto folks are a little bit smarter and well-versed than some of these TradFi folks. Not me. I'm dumb as bricks. I'll just put that out Same. there. Not me. Just you, Wendy. We, we're, it's not us. Just you, Wendy. You're it's the you're the only us. gigabrain here on the panel. Yeah, not not us. But hey, 16 billion in redemptions. It's working so far. Not to be the guy that's going to say it's going to continue working should things really get crazy. But so far, so good. All right, that's the show today. It's a lovely three box show. We got Wendy. We got Zach. We got Jen. We'll be back again tomorrow on the Tuesday, the Taco Tuesday show. Got to spin up that Dow, guys. Mm -hmm. Got to get the taco investments out there into the world. Yeah, we got to do it effective, before someone else does. Effectively altruistic tacos. That's a that's <laughs> an idea. All right. Anyway, that's it for the hash today. We'll be back tomorrow. Again, I'm Zach. That's Wendy. There's Jen. Listen to us on the podcast. It's the hash for your ears. And check us out here on Coindesk TV tomorrow and every weekday. Same place, same time. All right. That's it, everybody. You have a great day. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.